This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. On today's program, guest speaker Jimmy Evans, senior pastor of Gateway Church, located in Dallas, Texas, shares a message entitled, The Power to Change. Let's join this impactful message right now. Bible there, you can turn to Romans chapter 7, and I'm going to talk to you about the power to change, the power to change anything in your life that you want to change. Maybe there's something that you're doing that you would like to stop doing. I think almost all of us can relate to that. Smoking, eating too much, a nagging habit, spending too much, maybe even a bondage or something in your life that's an addiction that you would want to stop but just haven't been able to. Maybe you need to start doing something that you're not doing, exercising, praying more, reading your Bible, uh, eating better, saving money, something like that. Well, let me talk about statistics for just a minute because statistically, uh, Nielsen Analytics did some uh, numbers on New Year's resolutions. And when people make New Year's resolutions, by the way, the number one New Year's resolution is always losing weight. And behind that is finding love, saving more money, stuff like that. So Nielsen Analytics did... um, Uh, some research on how long do New Year's resolutions last and how many people succeed who make a resolution. Well, only 64% of New Year's resolutions last longer than the first month. So a lot of people, they bite the dust in the first month, okay? Um, Only 46% last longer than six months. So at the six-month mark, over half the people who made a New Year's resolution have failed. Only 12% succeed in changing what they wanted to change. Okay. So that's, that's not good. That's the last bad news you're going to hear in this message. Okay. But I just wanted you to know, statistically, we're not good changers. We're not good at changing, especially the big stuff. Uh, we just don't do well at changing. So I want to tell you, I want to tell you the essence of this message. And, and when I say this to you, you're going to look at me funny. I'm going to teach you in this message how you can change anything in your life and it won't be hard and it doesn't take any willpower. That it's possible to change anything in your life. If you're wanting to do something, you can can begin to do things in your life that you've never been able to do before and it won't be hard and it won't take a lot of self-discipline. Or if there's something you need to stop, you can stop doing it and it won't be hard and it won't take a lot of self-discipline. Now when I say that, I mean, it's just like... What did you just say? You know, as I'm talking about this, I need to do an infomercial on this. You know, and go on TV and, you know, make some money. You can change anything in your life and it won't be hard and it won't take any willpower. It sounds like an infomercial. But it's actually the Bible. And I want to talk to you about what the Bible says about how you can change anything in your life. And to do so, the first thing you have to understand is the corrupt an incorrigible nature of your flesh, your fallen flesh. We all have fallen flesh. If you're you're going to change anything in your life, you have to begin by understanding we have fallen flesh that will be with us until Jesus returns or we die. And it cannot be changed. It's incorrigible. That's what that word means. It cannot be changed. Now, we're going to read Romans 7. This is the Apostle Paul And the Apostle Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisee. That's what he called himself. Pharisees had memorized the first five books of the Bible. They fasted every week. They were some of the most disciplined people on the planet. 
And what the Apostle Paul is doing in Romans 7 is confessing he cannot change. He, he has no ability to change himself in any significant way. This is one of the, the best men, one of the, the most uh, brilliant men in New Testament history, and he's confessing his absolute inability to change. Now, I'm reading this out of the message version, by the way, because it's just a little bit more understandable. So this is Romans 7, beginning with verse, verse 14. I can anticipate the response that is coming. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. Isn't this also your experience? Yes, I'm full of myself. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. For I, if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The Apostle Paul's just being honest. He's, he's just saying what we've all experienced. I want to do the right thing. I just can't do it. I want to stop doing the wrong thing. I, I just can't do it. In fact, I'm my own worst enemy. What sabotages me isn't some external. It's, a, it's this enemy within me that keeps attacking me. Now, let me read the last part of this from uh, the New King James Version because this will be more familiar to you. He says, I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. It's in me, residentially. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And so the apostle Paul confesses, and he says, I've tried everything and nothing works. And so he asks a very important question. Who's going to change this? I mean, how am I going to be the person that God wants me to be when I'm sabotaging every attempt that I make to do the right thing and stop doing the wrong thing. Who, who's going to change me here? Okay. So remember now, when the Bible was written, there were no chapters and verses. This was a letter okay, to the Romans. And so it, it just was one flowing letter. Someone came in later and put all the chapters and verses in there. So Romans 7 and 8 is together. And so Romans chapter 7, the apostle Paul is confessing and he finishes by asking the question, who's going to help me out here? In Romans 8, he answers his question. You say, well, what's the answer? In Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul, in the first 16 verses, mentions the Holy Spirit 15 times. I can't change. I can't do the right thing, and I can't stop doing the wrong thing. And I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried. It's predictable that I'm going to fail, and I am my own worst enemy. And who's going to change this thing? The Holy Spirit. That's the answer, the Holy Spirit. So this is Romans chapter 8. 
And I'm going to read not all the 16 verses, but I want you to listen in this text. This is his answer. How many times he mentions the Holy Spirit? Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and do. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. And then he goes on. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. We were never designed to live without the Holy Spirit. We cannot live the way that God wants us to live without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let me go back to the book of Genesis for just a minute. Now, God created Adam out of the dust of the earth, and he breathed life into his nostrils. That was not oxygen. That was the Holy Spirit. What made Adam into a living soul or a living being was the fact that God's Spirit was on the inside of him. And in the, the Hebrew language kind of fell out of being a common language uh, several hundred years before Jesus was born. And so 70 scholars translated the Hebrew into the Greek. It's called the Septuagint. And so they took the book of Genesis and they were, they were uh, translating it. And they got to the, the verse in chapter 2 of the book of Genesis that says God breathed life into Adam's nostrils. And they took a Greek word and they translated the word life. And they gave it the word emphasao in the Greek, where we get our word emphysema. It means the breath that gives life, not oxygen, the Spirit of God. When God created Adam, he designed him to operate under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And Adam and Eve were perfect. They had a perfect relationship with God. They had provisional immortality. They had perfect bodies. They would still be alive today, and they would not have aged if they wouldn't have sinned. And they were full of the Spirit of God. And God said, in the day that you eat that fruit over there, you'll die. Well, they walked over and they took the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil and they ate it. And they still had oxygen in their lungs, but the Spirit of God departed from them. And you say, what difference did it make? Three chapters later in the Bible, the world was full of immorality and violence. And God regretted that he had made man on the earth. See, we can't act the way we need to act without the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Something goes deeply wrong when we're not operating under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And this is what Paul is saying here. And that is, the, the answer is the Holy Spirit. The answer is to going back to the way we were. And by the way, when Jesus, in uh, John 3, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, and he was asking him you know, about the kingdom of God, and Jesus looked at Nicodemus and said, you must be born again. See, because of Adam and Eve's sin, we're born with a dead spirit. And being saved means we open our hearts to Jesus. And when we open our hearts to Jesus, the Holy Spirit breathes life into our spirit, and we have now a living spirit that can commune with God. 
If you're born again, it means your spirit is alive. You have a spirit man inside of you the way that God designed for it to be. But even if we're born again, we have to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit to be the people that God wants us to be. And there are only two choices. There's only the Holy Spirit in the flesh. There aren't more choices than that. And this is Galatians 5, Paul again. I say then walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And so Paul is saying, if you walk in the Spirit, you won't carry out the desires of the flesh, because if you walk in the Spirit, you're not under the law. The Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. And so the Holy Spirit, the only power that can set us free from the law of sin that is in our flesh is the power of the Holy Spirit. The only thing that can set you free from the law of death that is in your flesh is a higher law. It's the law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus. So the Holy Spirit, when we allow the Holy Spirit into our lives, he sets us free from our flesh. He's the only one that can do that. And so I said earlier, it doesn't take self-discipline. Well, self-discipline is great. I mean, you have to have some self-discipline in life. But, but understand this, willpower when you try to do the big things in your life by willpower, it's like winding up a rubber band. And you know, you take a rubber band, you just keep winding it, it gets tighter and tighter and tighter, and finally it just can't go anymore and it unravels. You know? And so you wake up one morning, you decide, I'm going to lose weight and get in shape. And I'm, just, this, I'm doing it this time. And nothing's going to keep me from it. You just set your mind to it, you use your willpower. And you start losing weight, and you start getting in shape, and you're looking good. You're miserable, but your clothes fit good. And you wake up and say, I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to get in shape. And you, boy, all of a sudden you just look, man, you look like you're in a commercial. <laughs> then they find you dead one night in the back of a donut store. <laughs> you snapped after closing hours, you broke in, you died of a sugar overdose. <laughs> you couldn't take anymore. That's what, see, willpower, willpower can snap on you, you know. And so it doesn't take willpower to change, it takes his power. That's what the Apostle Paul was saying. I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees, but I find it that I am incapable of changing my life. What's, what's the answer? Who's going to save me? And his answer is the Holy Spirit. And so let me, let me talk about condemnation. You're going to look at me funny again. Okay, so get ready. You're good at it, by the way. You did a great job the first time. So I'm going to say something, and you're, you're going you're to have a hard time getting this one. Okay. Um, why is there no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus? Listen. Because God does not expect you to stop sinning and to change. You're looking at me. You're doing a great job. You're looking at me funny again. You, you guys are awesome at this. Um, God does not expect you to stop sinning. And, and you're sitting here saying, Jimmy, I've been in church a long time. And I know that I'm supposed to stop sinning. No, you're not. Y'all I wish I could take a picture. God does not expect you to stop sinning. 
And he does not expect you to change. He knows you can't. That's what the Apostle Paul was saying in Romans 7. So let, let, me, let me just play the role of the devil here just a minute and let me condemn you. Because this is what condemnation sounds like because I was under it for many years. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You keep saying that you're going to change and do the right thing and you don't do it. You don't, you're weak and you're pathetic. And you keep telling God that you're going to change and you don't change. And you keep telling God you're going to stop committing that sin. And you committed it 13 times last week and you're going to do it more next week. You're already planning on it. What's wrong with you? Now you get your act together. That's what condemnation sounds like. You, 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 you. See, when the devil, when the devil convinces us that God expects us to stop sinning and change then we believe that we're condemned when we can't do it. You say, well, Jimmy, wait, wait, wait now. You're saying that God does not expect us to stop sinning and changing. There's one thing that God expects of you, to surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to stop sinning and you're going to change. That's what the Apostle Paul's saying. I can't do this thing. I just can't do it. I've tried it a million times. And the first verse of Romans 8 is, there's therefore now no condemnation. Why is there any condemnation? Because he doesn't expect me to. Let me tell you the difference between grace and condemnation. Condemnation is about you. Grace is about Jesus Christ. Condemnation is all about us. When the devil comes to, listen, let me just tell you how to get out of prone condemnation. Is when the devil comes to you and just says you're weak and pathetic, just agree with him. You are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I can't do it. I can't do it. You're, you, you can't change. Exactly. You know, you're right, devil. You know, the only time he tells the truth is when he's condemning us. But here's the rest of the story you can tell the devil. But I'm thankful I don't have to do it. Jesus died for me on the cross, and the veil in the temple was rent, and the Holy Spirit came to live within me. And now by his power, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But let me, let me explain to you something. When you need God the most, you deserve him the least. You're having a bad day and you're, you're, trying, you're, you're just having a bad day. You're, you're doing the wrong thing for the zillionth time and you just can't keep from it. You know, the only way you're going to change is to get to God. But when you need him the most, you deserve him the least. That's why Hebrews 4 says his throne is a throne of grace. Jesus was tempted in every manner like us, yet without sin. And it says, you come to the throne of grace and he'll give you mercy and grace to help in your time of need. We need him every day. To be the people that God wants us to be, we have to come to a place of depending on the Holy Spirit and stop depending on our own flesh. Our flesh cannot be depended on. It's corrupt and incorrigible, okay? But the Holy Spirit is wonderful and precious, and he will give us the power to change. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let me tell you about two of the fruits of the Spirit that will help you to change anything. Uh, and it won't be hard and it won't take willpower, okay? The first is goodness. Goodness means desiring the things of God. Goodness is a gift. It's a gift of grace. And any time you want the grace of goodness in your life, you just ask the Lord. And so you have a wanter inside of you. You have a little, it's like a little light switch. It's, it's a wanter. And you have a canner. Okay. And so your wanter wants to do the wrong thing. Okay. And the only way that you're going to be able to change is for somebody to flip your wanter. 
and for you to be able to want to do the right thing. Okay? I don't want to live the rest of my life trying not to do something I really want to do. It's a miserable way to live. Every day, I'm, trying not, I'm just trying not to do something, but I really want to do it. You go in the kitchen in the morning, you pour yourself a cup of coffee, and there's a jar of cookies there. How many of you know that cookies talk to you? Yeah, they talk. They talk. And they talk to me. And here's what cookies say to me is, Jimmy, there's nothing wrong with you that we can't fix. And they're little liars. They're just little liars. Really. But they get up in your head. So you're in the, you're in the kitchen. You're in the kitchen in the morning, and uh, the cookies start talking to you, and they say, hey, you're going to have a wonderful day if you just go ahead and help us out here. And you say, no, no, I'm going to be a better person today. I'm not going to eat you. I'm not gonna, you're not going to talk. You did. You talked me into it yesterday. You're not going to talk me into it again today. Okay. And so all. So they're. But they're talking to you. Even when you're not in the kitchen, they can still talk to you. They're up in your head. And so you're, you're all over the house. You're all over town. But those cookies are talking to you. You need to come home and you need to eat us right now. But you don't. You don't. You're strong all day long. And that night you're laying in bed, and you're just so proud of yourself. And you're thinking to yourself, I, I didn't eat those cookies today. Well, you might as well have. They ruined your whole day. They're up in your head. You live the whole day trying not to do something you really wanted to do. I don't want to live the rest of my life trying not to do something I really want to do. I want God to change my desires. And that's what goodness is. Goodness, why, I said at the, at the beginning of this message, how am I going to be able to change something and it won't be hard and it won't take a lot of self-control? Because my wanter changes. I wake up and I say, Holy Spirit, would you give me the virtue of goodness today? Would you give me the grace of goodness today? He said, well, of course I would, honey. And he reached over and flips my water. Well, then I have a canner. It's called self-control. Now, your wanter is bad. I'm just telling you, your wanter's bad. My, my wanter's bad. We naturally have a bad wanter. That's our sin nature. And we have a weak canner. Our canner's just really, really weak. So we want to do the wrong thing, and we just can't keep from doing it because our wanter and canner are all wamper job. So, Holy Spirit, would you give me the virtue of self-control? And the Holy Spirit says, well, of course I would. Of course I would. Anytime. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I heard someone say one time that a day without prayer is a boast against God. If you wake up and think that you can do it on your own, you're a proud person. Here's the prayer the Holy Spirit loves. I need you. This is going to be a good day, and I'm going to overcome those little demon cookies in there. I need you to flip my water and my canner. And I want to have goodness and self-control today, Holy Spirit. He'll do it 100% of the time. He loves you. He's madly in love with you. On your worst day, he's there with you. When my wife and I got married 46 and a half years ago, um, we had a horrible marriage because of me. Worked all the time, golfed all the time. I was very dominant. Um, after several years of marriage, we, we fought a lot. I came home one night from golfing, and my wife confronted me. I told her to get out of the house, just get out and go home, go somewhere. And she went to the bedroom crying, and I went to the living room. And now we went to church every Sunday, and I read my Bible every day. I was a jerk, but I was a sanctified jerk. And uh, so the morning that I told her to get out of the house, I had read this scripture, John 16, 13. However, he, when the spirit of truth has come... He will guide you into all truth. Those are the words of Jesus. And so Karen ran into the bedroom crying, and I went to the living room, and I sat there, and I thought, I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm about to lose my wife, and I don't, I don't know what to do. And that verse came to my mind. And so I, I prayed, 
and I was not a humble person. And I prayed and I said, Holy Spirit, would you teach me how to be a husband? Now, when I prayed that prayer, blinders fell off of my eyes. I was very deceived. And it was like blinders fell off of my eyes and I could see reality. A minute before I prayed that prayer, here's, here's my thinking. I am Mr. Wonderful and I just accidentally married the devil's ex-wife. <laughs> I didn't know. Who knew? And uh, the minute after I prayed that prayer, I thought, I am a jerk and I married the most precious woman in the world. I was a, the Holy Spirit's called the Spirit of Truth for a reason. And he popped my little bubble. And I went in and repented to Karen and she forgave me. And, but we, we, our marriage was just so damaged at that point. And I'm obviously a different man today. Karen wrote a book about the first three years of our marriage called From Pain to Paradise, and it's the story of the miracle that God did. I was the villain in the story, by the way. And she, she wrote that book, and she came to me and handed it to me, and she said, would you read this before it goes to print? And I said, sure. And it was painful to read. She, the sister forgave me, but she didn't forget nothing. <laughs> didn't forget nothing. Don't you ever think that woman that you're with there forgets anything? And so she didn't forget nothing. So... I woke up the morning after I had, and I hung up my golf clubs, and he said, well, Jimmy, how did you change? I never tried to change. I woke up every day and asked the Holy Spirit to help me. And the Holy Spirit taught me how to be a husband. What I teach men all over the world, the Holy Spirit taught me. He'll teach you anything. If you ask, you, all you have to do is ask for help. And so, 100% of the credit of me changing as a man and as a husband goes to the Holy Spirit. Every day, one moment at a time, he changed me. Now I began this message by telling you, you can change anything you want to in your life and it won't be hard and it won't take a lot of willpower. It'll just take the Holy Spirit. And it all begins when we come to him and say, Holy Spirit, come into my life. I need you, I need you every day. It's, it's a daily prayer. Sometimes it's a moment-by-moment prayer. Moment. I, I need you to change my desires, and I need you to give me self-control. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. Please be sure to tell others about this broadcast that they could enjoy next week at this same time. You can learn more about the various ministries that Emmanuel offers and see Sunday services and Wednesday prayer services live every week. Check out emmanuelcc.org for details.